You're listening to the weekly podcast for Hillcrest Covenant Church. For more information, go to hillcrestcovenant.org. Well, good morning. Hey, I want to um, start off this morning by just um, giving um, our pancake crew a big shout out. That was amazing. Awesome. Very cool. It, I don't know. I don't know what it was like for you growing up, but like I'm a little old school. When um, when I grew up, like that's that was kind of almost a norm. Like we did those kind of things all the time, and it's just fun to just come together as a family, celebrate together. Uh, we love having the kids in here, um, parents. Yeah, exactly. If your kids are making noises, we like those noises. Okay, like we love it. Um, they're here. They're with us, and they're part of our family. So that's really fun. Um, I want to actually share this morning, um, just briefly, um, one of my favorite Bible stories. And it's going to set up what we're going to do the rest of our morning together. Um, and, and the story that I love comes from Mark chapter 2. And if you're familiar with it, um, in Mark chapter 2, there's a story where four friends have a friend of theirs who's paralyzed. And they bring that friend to Jesus. They find out that Jesus is teaching in a house And so they bring this friend, and the friend's not even named, we don't know his name, but they bring him to this house, and when they get to the house, they realize that the house is what? It's full. They can't get in. And so these guys, and and, and they're creative, you know, we got to give them props. Like, I want to meet these guys someday in heaven and, like, hear the story, but I'm pretty convinced, and I think you would probably agree, and it doesn't say it, but I'm pretty convinced that these guys are probably teenagers, right? (laughs) Right, because if you know the story, you know what happens next, right? Like they get to the house, they can't get in, and again, we, they, we don't see it in the text, but I'm just using my imagination a little bit. My guess is that they had a conversation, and one of the guys, Ben Robinson, we stand up, okay? So this is one of my favorite human beings. His name's Ben Robinson, okay? And if Ben was there, if ben, this is the kind of thing that Ben would come up with, okay? You can sit back down, okay? If you, don't, if you know Ben, you know what's about what happens because I'm guessing someone like Ben was in that group and they looked at each other and someone said, dude, what if we, uh, they probably didn't say dude, but they probably said something to the effect of, I got an idea. And they all kind of like looked at each other and someone said, let's go, like, let's go tear a hole in the roof and let's lower our friend down right in front of Jesus, because that's the only way we're going to get in, or they just want to play a prank on their friend, or I don't know what it was, but needless to say, that's what they did. They went on top of the house, and they started tearing apart the roof, and right in the middle of Jesus' teaching, they lowered their friend down in front of Jesus. And Jesus, being, I'm, again, I'm just, again, using my imagination, but he, he probably was a middle school pastor at, at some point because he knows that there's going to be interruptions, maybe a children's pastor at some point, you know, like there's going to be some sort of interruption. And right in the middle of Jesus' teaching, he stops, he pauses. And then he looks at this guy and he says, your sins are forgiven, which is, you know, awesome. And then he heals this guy who's paralyzed. And does anyone remember what happens next? Did they go back up to the roof? Did they like, no. What did they do? They ran out of the house praising the Lord, including the guy who was lowered down and was paralyzed. And I love, I absolutely love that story. I think there's so many cool angles you could go with that story. But what I want to talk about this morning is, is this question. Do you think, just think for a second, when these guys ran out of the house Do you think they all huddled back up together again and they all said, okay, guys, hey, so that was really cool what just happened. They're looking at the friend who had just been healed. 
who had been paralyzed, and, and they're probably going, okay, that was cool too. And do you think they all looked at each other and said, hey, I got an idea. Let's keep this quiet. Let's keep this quiet. Like, let's, let's not tell anyone what just happened. Does anyone think that that probably happened? No. There's no way. There's no way that anyone that saw the guy who was paralyzed and said, hang on, aren't you that guy who you're walking and running? You're, like, like, they probably looked at him and he said, hey, I got a story for you. And these buddies probably went, like, I'm convinced that these guys left there and they didn't keep quiet. They had to tell the story of what God had done in their life. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to change things up a little bit. And you're going to hear this morning some stories from our own brothers and sisters from Hillcrest. Stories of what God has done in their life. Stories that they can't keep to themselves. Stories that they want to share with you and with me and with all of us to encourage us because stories are incredible. Stories are incredible. And, and they help us see Jesus in new and fresh ways. Kind of the guiding verse that we're going to use this morning is from Psalm 105, 1 through 5, and it says this. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done. So this morning, and I'm going to invite Daniel to come up right now. We're going to hear from different people. Daniel's going to start us off. And this morning, we're going to hear some stories of what God has done in the lives of people from our church in the past year. Stories where people are going to give thanks to the Lord. Stories where people are going to tell of his wonderful acts. Stories of people who are going to remember what he has done. Because the God of wonders has shown up in our presence. The God of wonders has shown up to be amongst us. And he doesn't want us to keep that quiet. He wants us to share it with each other. And I hope and pray that every one of us in this room, whether you're a kid to an adult to whatever your age is, I hope that all of us in this room, when we hear these stories, hear the words of the Lord coming through these stories. Hear the ways that the Lord has worked through these stories. And I hope that you are encouraged when you walk out of this room to not just go, oh, that was a cool story. But just like these four guys and the, and the guy who was paralyzed, these five guys left and they had a story to share with what? With other people. Mm -hmm. A story to share with other people. One of my, and I'll, I'll just say this briefly and then you, you, can, you can roll. Um, I, I invited one of my friends, a few friends, to the Christmas Eve service. And one of my friends, at the last minute, he got sick and he couldn't make it. But you know what's so funny? You know what he said? He said, hey, can we grab lunch and you tell me a little bit about what you're going to talk about in the service? And so my friend Damon and I are going to go hang out this week. We're going to get lunch, and we're going to talk about the story. I bet you and I all have friends like my friend Damon, who maybe they might not listen to someone like me, but they might listen to someone like you, who has a story of what God has done in your life. And I want to encourage you to be an inviter. The doors of this church are always open to everybody. I would encourage you to be a someone that maybe they might not come here, but they might go out to lunch with you and they want to hear the stories of what God has done in your life. I want to encourage you to go and to share those stories with others. So Daniel is going to start us off in a second, one of my favorite human beings in the world. Not that you aren't, okay? But Grace Ketterman is going to come up and Grace and I are going to sit and she's going to share a little bit with us and a few other people are going to come up and share. But Daniel, why don't you start us and share some stories? You know, before I get into this story, I just want to encourage all of us this morning that what we're talking about here and what Nate is facilitating, this is normal church. Mm -hmm. 
This is what Jesus bled and died for. And it was so much a regular occurrence in the New Testament when the disciples, just people like us, just started getting the thing going. Peter would walk by somebody that was sick and his shadow would hit that sick person. That sick person got well. That's in your Bible. Paul would get handkerchiefs and they would pray over them and send them to people. And the people that got that handkerchief would be healed. And so it was just part of the culture. And I just want to encourage us all this morning that, that it's just not just a story to say, whoa, wasn't that good? It's to say, me too, God, me too, pick me, because he wants to do that. Well, many of you have tracked with the story of my brother. About a year and a half ago, uh, he was in the kitchen uh, saying something, and, and, and he couldn't speak uh, that word, and then kind of stumbled over it, and that led to a series of tests or whatever. Well, they found uh, a tumor, and then the closer look, they had, he had eight tumors in his brain. And so from then, it, it, he started going downhill, and, and his speech began to get um, slower and slower and, and having trouble, you know, talking, whatever. And so I made some trips down there during the middle of the week to help him with a couple of things. They were trying to relocate to North Carolina. They were in Texas at the time. And so really tracking with him in this, and I just watching him slowly uh, get worse. And, and then uh, they made a trip to North Carolina to where his oldest son and family lives. And he had an incident out there, he had a seizure. And when they went in and, and did the test, they discovered 22 tumors. So obviously they were having babies up there. So anyway, it's like, what do you do? And, and, and it was swelling and he was on this medication, that medication, keep the swelling down, but stop the seizures. And it was just a complicated mess of things. And so um, anyway, rocking along there and I'm thinking, oh no, you know, uh, I'm gonna lose my brother. And, and so I made as many trips as I could, helping them out, helped them on the move and all. Well, at least three times that I went there, I thought I was going to do the funeral because we're on the phone. Oh, no, I don't know he's going to make it. And so I'm headed out there, you know, and, and uh, so I get there. He kind of bounces back or whatever, you know. And so uh, the third time he had gone to hospice, he couldn't talk anymore and could not walk. And he was in hospice care and, and in a wheelchair. I'd seen some videos and, and uh, it was just sad. This is my brother, you know, and so. I said, okay, I'm going out, and this is probably going to be it. Uh, his wife, Ruth, had already called the church, talked to the pastor about a memorial service. She had called funeral homes to uh, get everything lined up. So I get out there, and, and he was in hospice, but then when I got there, uh, he had told uh, Ruth uh, in, in the best way he could, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. I want to go home. So she said, okay, we'll go home. So he had arrived home the day I, I drove in. So I walk in the front door and he's uh, on the couch, you know, and he didn't look as bad as I thought he might because, you know, it was on the videos. It was just death warmed over. And so anyway, we hugged and just enjoyed each other there. And, and it's been about three or four days and, and I got to shave him. And, and apparently my son, David, who was there with us at the time, did a video of that. And so people would call me and say, oh, I just enjoyed so much seeing you shaving your brother. I said, how did you know I did that? Well. <laughs> Because my son is out there uh, in hyperspace with all of those kinds of things that I don't understand how to make happen. Anyway, so, so there were folks praying, you know, for him and all. So that week, he, 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 was, uh, he could say a word or two. And uh, so he didn't die. And so I said, well, I got to go home because I got to go back to my job. And uh, I, I, people, people would ask me about him. I said, well, he just refuses to die, you know, and it kind of became a running joke. Well, 
slowly I started getting these texts that he was doing better. And, uh, and then I got this picture of him out in his garage uh, that he had cleaned out all of the garage with all the junk. You know, when you move, everything ends up in the garage. He cleaned it up by himself. And I'm thinking, what? That's Stephen. That's his picture. Well, I got this text. Uh, probably I was dri- I driving about a week and a half ago, and I got a text. He said, I got 90% of my guitar licks back. He's a, an incredible electric guitar player. Yay, Stephen. Well, four days ago, I get this text from him. Now, the, the response on this is, yay, God. Let's practice. Yeah, God. Okay. That's about half of what it's going to be when I get done and then just you know, belt it out, okay? All right. This is his text. He says, today the delivery truck guy from hospice came to pick up the equipment that they had set up as a hospital room in our house. I was helping the guy haul the equipment out to the truck. <laughs> Don't you love that line? That's worth the whole thing. He was kind of looking at me strange. In a minute, he says, are you the patient or a relative? <laughs> And I said, I'm the patient. He said, wow, I always come to pick up the equipment after the patient has deceased. And he said, man, how did this happen? I said, it's God. He said, this is some good news I had today. Three weeks ago, I picked up the equipment down from a house just down the street from you. And that guy had uh, died. And he says, man, I'm going to tell people at the office about this. Then he said, I think God has something for you to do. And I told him, I think so too. Ready, go. Yay, God. All right, now I want you to say, me too, just as loud as you just said. Ready, go. Me too. Lord, I just thank you for this right now. As we move on to grace, Lord, and the others that will testify, we just take this moment to say, yay, God, that you see us right where we are, and you love touching us and bringing glory to yourself and blessing to our life. So, Father, just ignite our hearts this morning with everything that goes on this room, everything that's being seen, Lord, online, that I can touch this God and he can touch me too. Father, let faith arise in Jesus' name. All right. Grace, we're going to give you this microphone. So for anyone that doesn't know, this is Grace Ketterman. Grace, can you maybe just introduce yourself to everyone that m- might not know you? I think a lot of people here do. And, and maybe tell everyone how long you've been at Hillcrest. That'd be great. Well, uh, that's part of my life story. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, uh, I was brought up in a very strict fundamentalist church. And it became so obnoxious because they had 20 pages of things you could not do. (laughs) So so, uh, I went to KU by God's grace. I was uh, accepted to medical school when women were not wanted there. And I met there the man who became my husband in 1950. it was a, a very rigid life, very hard-working, hard-studying life. And uh, I first became a pediatrician and then a child psychiatrist. 
have had a wonderful life, three wonderful children, and I'm now a widow and have been since 2002. Mm. Wow, thank you. And you and your husband started going here, is it 1960-something? Uh, he was one of the founders yeah. of the church. Right. I hate to think how much money he put into it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how you've seen the Lord work in your life? Um, Yes, I was brought up in this very strict home, and there were some good things about it. My father, for example, uh, would, was a farmer, a very small farm out in central Kansas. He would go out at sunrise and work in the fields. Then he would come back to the house. We would have family prayer. Altogether, there were seven children, a maternal grandmother and both parents, so there were ten people. We all gathered in the living room, had a chapter of Bible reading, and we knelt. We didn't stand or sit. We knelt on the, on the floor uh, and had family prayer, and Dad led that. So I grew up in a very strict, very religious, but also a good Christian family. Hmm. And um, uh, my father, when I was 12 years old, uh, said to me one day very privately, Gracie, have you ever thought about becoming a doctor instead of a nurse? And I shook my head. I certainly had not thought, thought of that. And he said, well, I always wanted to be a doctor, and there were no medical schools when I was young, so I didn't get to go, so I would like to have one of my kids go. And so I thought about that for a, a long time. Mm. And eventually, uh, I was able to go to KU. I went first to a Nazarene college. And two years there, I had chemistry and physics and all that hard stuff. And God helped me to do that. It was hard work, lots of study, and not much fun. But it was a good life in a way of being productive and accomplishing something. That's great. And Grace, you, so you and I have spoken many times. And, and every time I've been with you, you've always been such an encouragement. Can you just share like a word of encouragement to us as a church? Uh, you, you've certainly done that with many, many people over the years. And, and, and maybe just a word for us today. Uh, I was born in 1926. In 1929, the stock market crashed, and the Depression hit the world, hit America. So I grew up very poor economically, uh, very well-loved, very well-trained, tra I might add. And um, uh, so I, I feel like I learned so many lessons, and I, I would love to help everybody have a wonderful life mm -hmm. and not to have to go through some of the heartaches that I did, but also uh, to be able to achieve the successes that God gave me. That's awesome. And so when you've gone through hard moments in life, like what, what has kind of got you through it? Always, what would Jesus do? Uh, there was a book written when I was an early teenager named that, What Would Jesus Do? Uh, or Following in His Steps was another title. And I read that book, and with all my teaching and preaching and, and training, uh, I really had a desire in my heart to come to know God, to know Jesus Christ, and to follow him. 
And when I was only nine years old, uh, the church I attended had an altar. And in order to become a Christian, you had to go and kneel at that altar and have people pray for you. So uh, I was so shy, I could never have done that. I think if I'd gone to hell, I couldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but God began working in my mind. And at about nine years of age, I used to pray a little nightly prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. And one time I said, and, and God, you know, I've done everything I know what to do to become good enough to be your child. And uh, the next morning I woke with an incredible sense of joy and peace that I was a child of God. A wonderful way to live. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Grace, can I pray for you? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Grace. And God, thank you for the story of her life. And, and Lord, I even thank you um, for the story she just shared. And God, the way that um, she has not kept that story quiet, Lord, she has shared that with hundreds and thousands of people throughout her life. And, and God, we pray a blessing over over grace, and, and God, we pray that um, you would just continue to encourage her as she encourages others. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you, Grace. Are we going to sit? I'll be here. Let's stand. Okay. Hi. We are Chris and Diane. We live in China, and we're just back for three weeks to see our families for Christmas. And what a joy to get to share some of the ways that we have seen God working. We're going to try and be succinct and quick, even though we didn't really plan anything yet. I mean, we know what we're going to talk about, but succinct is not my, my forte. Um, <laughs> so... Things in China have been very, very tight. I know you guys have probably seen things in the news that have not been super amazing. Um, it is even less amazing to see them happening around us. Um, we are safe, but it's just tight. It's hard. And um, one of the things, well, but in the midst of that, we have seen God working a lot. And um, one of the areas that's been really uh, tough lately is that every single year, um, any foreigners that work in China have to renew, I mean, there's different levels of this actually, but most of us have to renew yearly our work permit and then our residence visas. So year to year, we don't know whether or not we're going to be staying. Um, it's just the way it is, and it hasn't always been that big of an issue. It's like, oh, it's time to renew, no big deal. But now, it's, we don't know, really, for real, um, year to year, if we'll be able to stay. And this year in particular has been extremely difficult and there's a number of reasons for it um, that have been kind of across the board in all different religions. It hasn't just been Christianity. So there's been, you know, a lot of persecution going on. Um, but it, I'm not being succinct. I got it. Okay. Um, so in this year, we don't know numbers, but there have been a whole lot of people like us that have either been invited to leave 
told to leave or their companies um, have chosen to have them leave before they are kicked out. And so as far as we know, there's only about half of us left. And um, so when we're in the process to renew our work permit, what Chris is the, we only have one work permit for our family and I'm on a spouse visa. And um, so he has been a teacher his work permit has been teacher, but now our company can no longer get teacher visas. So praise the Lord, he's an architectural engineer too. And so now he has that for his work permit, but that was like a, you know, we're gonna just try this. We don't know whether they're gonna accept it and it worked. And thankfully also, he's also doing that kind of work so we can live with integrity with what we're doing. Um, but part of that also is that um, we have so our company also had to renew our business license and there are some things about that that changed this year and so we didn't know if it was gonna happen and praise the Lord it did. We don't know if next year it will happen also. Um, so we're living in the midst of this. We don't know if we're going to be here year to year. We don't know whether or not, like we have our work permit but there's a lot of people that had work permits and then they got invited to leave. So, um, so that's what things look like. But at the same time, we see all of these people that have had to leave, and we're sitting here in our company. We've got, what, like, I don't even know how many, 15 work permits? Our company has 15 work permits that have all been renewed this year. And so we, you know, we have our, <laughs> a big meeting together, and we go, okay, we're here. What does God want us to be doing? And, like, he has... We have seen him working in a million different small ways, and it has been amazing to see that he, his sovereignty in the midst of so much uncertainty. One of the other things that has happened is that a couple of years ago, um, two years ago, in 2017, or maybe three, I guess, um, uh, China passed a law where children are no longer allowed in church, as well as Communist Party members, um, and that hadn't made it to our province yet. The laws in China kind of take a while to be implemented everywhere. And so the last time we were here, things were looking pretty sweet in our province. We were like, things are feeling good. Not now. <laughs> um, so in, December, in the end of November is when that law finally came to our province. And so no children in church. Can you imagine? It's pretty pretty quiet. I mean, there were, you know, they tried to notify everybody ahead of time, but there were a lot of people that came to church with their families and the Sunday school teachers had to turn them away at the door and such a heartbreak. Um, and they're going to be installing, I mean, there's facial recognition everywhere in China, but that's going to be at church too. There'd already been video surveillance, but, um, so there's, there's a lot to be praying for and all of that, but this is about God's wonders and about the awesome things that he's doing. So, in the time when now we can no longer have kids going to church, um, God had led our company to kind of launch out. We've been trying to launch out our programs, our, our, our projects into local nonprofit organizations because now China's all about local nonprofits. So we're trying to get some Chinese-based nonprofits going. So we had just gotten one in March of this year that was solid. And because there's no foreign involvement, they are invited to do a lot more things that they were allowed to do when they were working with the foreigners. And so one of our, um, some of our former colleagues, they have now been able to go into a school and set up a social work center, which is not a thing that can be done really. Like, so now we have some believers that are set up inside the school that are able to minister to the 1800 families 
that are a part of there. And they have been witnessing to the teachers, some of the teachers there. And there's like 10 believers now in the church or in the school. And it's just so cool to see God's perfect timing in this, that when we don't have access or the church doesn't have access to kids, he is putting his people in places to still be able to reach them. Um, one of the things firsthand that I get to do is work with a camp, and so we also get a lot of those kids that their parents want them to learn English, so they send them to us, so we also get that little impact. Um, but today I want to share one quick story about a guy that we met that on the first summer we went to China 12 years ago, This we, we joined a, a training center to our college students, and we, we met them in their summer program, so all the kids were playing, but there was this one guy who was sitting off to the side and nobody was talking to him. He was socially awkward and hygiene was not that great, but um, I just felt a little nudge to go talk to him. I didn't want to, but I did. And it became this long, awkward friendship for the last 12 years, and about four years ago, like. We moved away after five years, so I got to spend the first five years in person talking to him, and I shared the good news multiple times in different ways, but just was his friend when a lot of people weren't. And then we came back for a home assignment and then went back to a different city, and during that time I was back, we, got, we started talking on the social media platform, and through that, he became a believer. But he's in this little village in his hometown. There's no other believers there, and it's a Buddhist village, and so I was just worried for him. Over social media, we can't share. <laughs> we can't do anything open, and I saw him maybe once every three years, and so there wasn't any chance to share, but we, we got to see him about, I don't know, six months ago, and it's just cool to see him. He's strong in his faith, and he's he's got conviction, and he is following God in this little place with nobody giving him any anything except the God of wonders pouring into his life. So it's really cool to see that no matter what we think is, if we're not doing what we can or we're worried about something, God's got it under control. If we just listen and pray for these people and keep going. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, and last but not least, uh, Spencer and Andrea Meharan are going to come up and share and wrap up our sharing time together. Hi, we're Spencer and Andrea. We've been at Hillcrest for, I think, about six and a half years. We have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Stella, and then we have a one-month-old daughter, Lucy, who's currently in the NICU. Um, and we were asked to kind of share the journey that we've been through with her this past year. And um, this past spring, we had been trying to have another baby for about 18 months and just feeling very frustrated and um, confused and lost. And um, we had shared that with our small group. And um, during one of our Monday night small groups, they prayed over us and just prayed that if we were supposed to have another kid, we would. And um, that next month, we found out we were pregnant with Lucy. And... Um, it's been a journey with her. Uh, my water broke um, somewhere between 15 and 16 weeks. And um, there's really no statistics on the survival of the water breaking that early um, because most people terminate their pregnancy. And we met with about seven different doctors. And the first question every single one of them asked was, are you going to terminate or do you want to terminate? And that was just shocking to us because it wasn't even an option for us. And so they just said, okay, like, be prepared. Your child will most likely not survive. Um, so at 23 weeks, um, 
we were in one of our doctor's appointments and talking with one of our nurses and we knew that I was gonna have to go on bed rest. And um, as far as we knew that it was gonna be at Truman Hospital downtown and that she would be delivered at Children's Mercy. Um, and we had a nurse that just happened to be with us that day and said like, why are you guys not going to Overland Park Regional? It's so much closer to like literally two minutes from our house. And it was really important to us when I was on bed rest to still see my husband and daughter every single day and have dinner together every single night. And um, we just knew that wasn't going to happen when I was at Truman. And so we knew God placed that nurse in our hospital or in our um, appointment that day. And she got it all figured out. The next day I was admitted at Overland Park. I was on hospital bed rest for seven weeks. Um, I delivered Lucy on November 27th at 30 weeks. And she cried when she came out and she was breathing. And um, for those of you that don't know, without having any fluid, the fluid is what develops their lungs. And so the fear was that her lungs would not be developed to survive outside the womb. And um, she is surviving and thriving. And they think she'll be coming home sometime in January instead of March, which was the original date. Um, do you have a sure. So really, I mean, I think... <clears throat> The best part about it, just through our small small group, we were able to kind of talk and go through all this and just the different um, seeing where God was in, um, in every single point of this, all the way back to I, I had a job change where insurance was important, and this it got settled literally a week before we found out that um, uh, Lucy was her water had broken, um, all the way to you know, and, and I think both of us with our small group. Um, we're able to say uh, we trust the Lord is going to do what the Lord wants with Lucy. Um, and we had basically, which completely made, um, we gave control to the Lord, which uh, made the whole process so much easier. And, and I think, you know, you, you always want to look back um, now that Lucy's here and she's breathing and, and she's looking great. Um, like what, what was God's intention of all of this going through? Um, the seven weeks of um, unknown and um, her and you know basically prison for seven weeks um, <laughs> me as a single father which is really hard um, and you, we look back and I, the whole really what was the Lord was telling us that he wanted to share Lucy's story and he wanted to show her miracle and um, the Lord is bragging every day about how wonderful she is and uh, we're so blessed that she's who she is. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hillcrest. 